Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. Savior, hallelujah. Matthew 28, starting in verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulchre. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples word. It's the gospel, amen. It's the good news. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Y'all, we don't. We don't serve a God that is still dead. We don't serve a King of kings and a Lord of lords that is still stuck in that tomb. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a mighty God. We serve a God from the foundations of the earth. From Genesis 1 and 1 to the end of Revelation. Has all the power in his hands to let it be done to say so. We serve a mighty and powerful God that has defeated the grave. That has taken the keys from hell and say I'm in charge. You don't have to worry about a thing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So just for the next few moments, I want to preach on this simple subject. It's got to be somewhere. It's got to be somewhere. Amen. Can we set our Bibles down and bring our praises right now before the Lord one more time and pray for this service. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We love you this evening, Lord God. Where would we be without you in our lives? Where would we be without your presence, God? God, Isaiah says that as I walk through fires and as I walk through floods, God, you are there. And David put it more blunt when he said, I may be in the mountaintop or in the valley and I may make my bed in hell, God, but there is nowhere I can run from your presence. So God, we're not running from your presence this evening. God, no matter what we are walking through or into this evening, God, we are coming with confidence that you are in this place. We are coming with a boldness and assurance, God, a blessed assurance, Lord, that you are still on the throne, that everything is in your control no matter the situation. No matter the incident that I'm going through, God, we are here to worship you. Holy is the Lamb, hallelujah, that was slain on the cross and has came back as a roaring lion. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And the whole church can say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever looked for something that you know was in a specific spot 
and when you went to find it, it was nowhere to be found. Everybody has done that tons and tons of times. And so I can imagine for both of these Marys in our scriptures, as they went to find Jesus laying in the tomb, they too, as the Bible shares with us, were surprised to see that where they all had left Jesus, he now was not where they had placed him. And I feel like we too can relate to these Marys in a sense. We, we humans tend to forget where we place things in our lives. We have an act for always managing to misplace. Or I use that term loosely because in all actuality it's just code for losing something. right? It makes us feel better when we say I've misplaced something right because our memories are just bad we're, we're not good we we misplace things but we just we just lose stuff y'all but I know there's been times where you and I may have misplaced our keys and and our wallet and other important belongings in our home at work at a job site etc science actually shows that men are way more likely to misplace things than women are. Can all the married women shout amen? Hallelujah. There we go. I find myself, though, getting really frustrated at myself, though, but because before Jolie and I got married, I had lived in my house for under a year, and I found that I was always misplacing items everywhere. And when you live by yourself and you misplace things, There's nobody there in the house, Brother David, to tell you, hey, have you tried looking here? Have you tried looking there? Maybe you should go back five steps in the other room and see. There's nobody there. If you've misplaced something, Godspeed, right? Good luck. Hallelujah. But I lived in that house, and I would just get frustrated. My my keys, though, were always the number one item that I would always misplace. More than my wallet more than maybe a snack that I had eaten halfway through and left it somewhere, or an unfinished drink. It was always my keys. I I remember one day I had spent so much time finding my keys that by the time I found them, I told myself, never again. I refused to let this keep being a problem. So when Jolie and I got married, we got one of those key racks. And we put it in our kitchen right before we make our way to our door. So I know when I come into my house, I hang the keys on my key rack. And when I go to leave my house, I know where they're going to be nine times out of ten. I don't have to ever have this issue of finding my keys whenever I need them. I don't think, though, growing up that, Mom, you may can correct me, but I don't think we ever had a designated spot for our keys growing up in our family. Growing up, my mom was a masterful person at finding things that were lost. Something about moms, right, that are just good at knowing where things are that you and I have misplaced. Anytime my siblings or myself or whoever would lose something and tried looking for it, my mom would say something like, well, it's just got to be somewhere. Or my personal favorite, well, it's in the house because it didn't just grow legs and run away, right? It's... It's somewhere in the house. Come on. Whenever Cameron, my little sister, came into the picture, things got a little bit more challenging when it came to misplacing items. I remember how mad I would get when Cameron, when she was about three or four years old, and if you had put your key somewhere that was in arm's reach 
of her. You can kiss them goodbye because she had an act for taking your keys or whatever was small enough in those little precious hands of hers and hiding them from you. And she had a few spots throughout the house that were her favorite spots. And so you would get frustrated and you would look at her and you, after about 15 of 20 minutes of searching, I knew Cameron hid my keys somewhere. Where are my keys, Cameron? And you try to interrogate her and you, you tried to bribe her, but she just loved the fact that you were getting stressed out from trying to find these keys. And that smile she would give you and that just concerned look on her face because she, she wants to help you find the keys, always wants to help you find the keys, that honorary face of hers. Eventually, though, after the right bribe, she would help you find where the keys were. But even then, mom would still have an act for finding things. That saying, well, it's, it's, just, it's got to be somewhere, as infuriating as it was, is still so true. Looking back now, there's some truth to that with more than just looking for keys. My, my mom's ability to find things was connected to her belief that they could be found, regardless of where they were. She believed, and I, I too now believe, that even though I've misplaced my keys, they're still around somewhere. And that unless I've picked them back up, or someone else comes and grabs them from me, they are still here. Because it's still got to be somewhere around here. And tonight, your need, and what you and I need today, may not be anything related to this or your need, I'm sure, might be a lot more serious than just a lost pair of keys. But what you and I are doing here tonight is the key to our victory. The key to getting us out of our situations and our lives. From the backslider who maybe has misplaced their love to God. To the person dealing with sickness and disease that's misplaced their health. To the person in here that doesn't know what to do. And maybe has misplaced their trust and their hope in Jesus. Let us be reminded here this evening. That whenever I misplace something. And that you and I just need to try and look for it in a familiar spot. Or look for it in the last place we left. Can I tell you that no matter what you and I have lost. It can always be found in the arms of Jesus this evening whatever you and I have misplaced whether it's hope it's love it's peace it's patience it's goodness it's kindness it's healing virtue it's long-suffering it's power it's strength it's prosperity and so much more is always found in a familiar spot to you and I and if it isn't familiar to you how about you and I get familiar with where you can find these things and you can find it in the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. If you've misplaced anything in your heart and in your life that needs to be placed back, you can find it in the man they call Jesus Christ. It's got to be somewhere, church. This world says it's got to be somewhere. Where is it at? And I'm here to tell you today, it has always been found in Jesus. No matter what new technology comes out, no matter what new thing comes out, new trend, new, new prescription, new medicine, new whatever, it has always been found in the loving name of Jesus Christ. And it will till the end of time.
Psalms 39 and 7 and says, And now, Lord, what wait I for? What do I wait for, God? My hope is in you. What are you and I waiting for this evening? Whatever we have misplaced, whatever we used to feel that was good and great and mighty, we can find it here tonight in Jesus. Our hope is in Him today. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to go visit Jesus in our beginning scriptures in His tomb. They came to find the finished preparation of Jesus' body, which was cut short by the Sabbath. So after the Sabbath, they came to the tomb fully expecting to find the dead body of Jesus. And then as they showed up to the tomb, the Bible says that there was a great earthquake. Matthew alone notes this earthquake. This earthquake is important because the earthquake did not cause the stone to be rolled away. If anything, it was the angelic rolling sister needed that caused the earthquake. And so whenever there is an earthquake in your life, don't you fret, don't you worry, don't you be stressed, don't you be upset, don't you think that dark days are coming ahead, there is an internal light that is shining through that earthquake, that is shining through that tomb, that marvelous light that sees everything, that knows everything, don't you worry when the earthquake comes, Jesus has it all in his hands, he's got a whole world in his hands, hallelujah. One commentator said it like this, The earth shook both at Christ's passion and at His resurrection to show that it could not bear His suffering now, to show that it could not hinder His rising. Nothing could stop Jesus rising from the tomb. Nothing could stop Jesus coming back from the grave. Nothing could stop Jesus and His resurrection power. But yet the Bible tells us that when the Mary showed up, they were scared. They were terrified. They thought his body was stolen or was gone. So you mean to tell me that these ladies spent years knowing, getting to know Jesus, watching his miracles, watching his healings, watching his teachings, getting to develop that relationship with Jesus over time, watched him perform restoration in people's lives, and they saw with their own eyes and believed and had this hope that they served a mighty God and a sovereign Jesus. Jesus said that in three days after I am crucified, I will raise back from the dead with the keys to the gates of hell in my hands, and I will have victory over the grave. And if they truly believe that with all of their heart, their soul, and their mind, when they showed up at the tomb, it should have not been a surprise. It should not have been a shock to them if they truly believed, if their faith in God was not misplaced. Come on. For the first time, these followers of Jesus, these faithful women, heard what they did not expect to hear. They heard that Jesus was not in the tomb. 
But even though you've got some misplaced faith this evening, even though your faith may be smaller than that of a mustard seed, have no worry because He is not in this tomb anymore. He has risen. You may have came up here not knowing what's going to come after you leave service. You may have came here this evening not knowing what's going to happen next. But don't worry. Don't stress. Your faith may have been misplaced. But take that misplacement and fill it with new faith. Fill it with new restoration. Fill it with new hope. Because we serve a risen king. And he has not forsaken you. He has not given up on you. There is still an opportunity for you to know him. That small part in verse 6 of our opening scriptures. As he said. As the angel said. Reminded these women and all the disciples that they should have expected this. Because it was just what he promised. Come, see where the Lord lay. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. But it was rolled away to prove those with unbelief that he did what he would say he would do. They went back to that last place they had left him. And though he wasn't physically there in that tomb, his power and authority and sovereignty was there all over. Look, I know that sometimes it's hard to find the goodness of God. That new daily mercy and grace that's for you and I. But no matter how bad it may seem to be, no matter how many times we've been beaten up, battered, and bruised, we've got to go back to the man named Jesus and be reminded what it means to be a child of God. You have an advocate with the Father. You've got a heavenly champion on the side of your battle this evening. You are not lost and alone in your fight this evening. Let us be reminded of who we serve this evening. We serve Yahweh, which is the Lord. We serve El Shaddai, which is God Almighty. We serve the Holy One of Israel. We serve the Rock, the Most High, the Redeemer, Emmanuel, God with us. We serve Adonai, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We serve the Great I Am, the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. We serve the light of the world, the bread of life, the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection, Alpha and Omega, judge and author and finisher of our faith, the vine, the word, the deliverer, the everlasting father, the cornerstone, the day star, the consuming fire, the ever-present help in trouble. Come on. If that don't get you excited, here's some more. We serve the potter, the great physician, the friend of sinners, the rock of my salvation, the ancient one, the king of glory, the bright and morning star, the amen, the image of the invisible God, the door of the sheep, the God of all comfort, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, and the savior of the world. If you need anything this evening, if you need anything this evening, You serve a mighty, risen Savior. The Prince of Peace. The Fountain of Living Waters. The God of all comfort. God doesn't cause everything. But He does use everything. 
and will work it out for His glory. It might seem like all hope is lost, but let us be encouraged tonight that it has to be somewhere. It's not lost forever. What you used to feel or maybe what you've been trying to get back is not lost forever. Your breakthrough is hidden in the belief that there is a breakthrough to be found. If you want that breakthrough, you first have to tell yourself that that breakthrough is coming. It does me no good if I'm waiting for the breakthrough and say, God, I don't know where it is. God, I don't know if it's coming. God, it may have been here. It may have been there. If you tell yourself that my breakthrough is on its way, that I'm going to trust in God with everything I have, that breakthrough will be on its way marching towards you with everything it's got. But it's found in Jesus. But where it's not found is in the world. You will never find the answer that we seek in the world. We'll never find it. Brother Ronnie, when things are washed away and the old has been made new, leave it behind. It's old for a reason. I don't want anything old attached to me. Because there's a reason why I gave it up years ago. It is old. I don't want it anymore. I don't need it anymore. I've been bought by a price. I've been washed under the blood. I've been baptized in that precious name. My sins have been forgiven. If I allow it to be so, the old man will rise up. But I've got to crucify that old man. But it's not found in the world. Sometimes if we have misplaced or have forgotten where we place something, we go and we try to find it in a place we probably shouldn't be looking in or shouldn't be wasting our time. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And He is the best remedy, medicine, and answer that you and I could ever need. But the problem is, is that society and this world will tell you and I different. The world will tell you that the most important thing you and I can do is not to find our identity in Christ... It's not to find the fullness of joy or a God-given purpose. No, the best thing we can do for ourselves is to just be happy and find our own sense of truth and to do what just feels good. A society that says, well, since heaven and hell isn't real, why don't you and I go ahead and make our heaven here on earth? We live in this postmodern world, a world that is characterized by the belief that both religion and proof have failed us. Neither can be trusted to provide the answers to life's mysteries or to solve life's perplexing problems. As a society, as a whole, we have witnessed environmental ravages of the Industrial Revolution, the bloody history of the 20th century, and continued misery, poverty, and hunger around the globe. None of these problems were solved by scientific knowledge. On the contrary, the byproducts of science and the Industrial Revolution exasperated many of our human problems. Science has provided cures to disease but it has also created new threats on this planet. 
And because of this decade-long fight from Vietnam War and events like Hurricane Katrina where we don't fully trust the government anymore and I'm not advocating for government, that's not what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is that there has been decades-long fight between humans and higher authority and higher powers and now we live in a society where people don't want absolute truth. They don't want to believe in a higher power. They don't want to believe in a higher society. They just want to do what makes them comfortable, that makes them happy they don't want to bother the other person they don't want to tell other people how to live they just want to do their own thing people who live in this postmodern society absolutely reject the notion of absolute truth they don't trust authority and they reject any institution that claims to have a claim on the truth they have become highly suspicious of facts they believe that all truth, even to the some extent of scientific knowledge, is subjective, biased, and socially constructed. Truth depends on what one's culture regards as truth. Therefore, the truth is not really true. It's subjective. It's molded. It's changed however it may fit in this box that humanity puts it in. There, there's this pervasive cultural thought that is cynical about any ideological grandstanding of authorities and institutions. In a century of bombs and holocausts and ecological disasters, many people have become disillusioned with their inherited faiths, the institutional church, political parties, and the political process. So what are you getting at, Brother Brendan? This world tells us to do one thing and the word of God, which is still the absolute truth, no matter what comes our way, no matter what happens in America, in this world, this word still stands. There is a truth that is full of goodness and mercy and grace. And though sometimes it cuts and it hurts, I know it is looking out for my good. The church is still good. We are still good. I'm so sick and tired of people discrediting the church because of what they believe in. If anything, the church needs to stand up and say, you don't have a real truth. You don't know what you want. You don't know what you need. But let me show you what you need. Let me show you a man named Jesus. Let me give you what you need. Let me help you in your situation. But you try to make things happen and the world is saying you have to look a certain part and do certain things and it tries and paints this beautiful picture and it tries telling you that you and I, we don't need Jesus. We don't, we don't need the church. We don't need to follow the truth. That's old school. That's, that's old news. Why, why not be progressive? Why not be in times? Why not be in society? But what we must understand from that from the dawn of Christianity to the end of our days on earth, there will always, always be a fight against the world and Christianity. Matthew 10, says, And ye shall be hated of all men, not some, not few, all men for my name's sake. 
We love that name. That name has so much worth in that name. But that's a big name to carry around because it, it rubs people wrong to some way. Hallelujah. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be ashamed of the name of Jesus. Amen. I don't ever want to be ashamed to be a member of the body of Christ. I love what we stand for. Come on, somebody. I love what I feel when I walk into the presence of God. I love what I feel when I come to the altars and I give my life to God and I say, God, I'm, I don't have it all together. God, I need you in this hour. I love, I love what I feel when I worship. I love what I feel when the presence of God gets ushered in from the praise team. I love a good old-fashioned prayer meeting when God does some things that he wasn't finished doing on a Sunday service. I love being what I am in the body of Christ. There's no better feeling. There is no better feeling than being a member of the body of Christ. If we are part of the church, persecution is always going to happen. Hardships will always happen. But the church makes it just a little bit better. The church and the world are at vast different parts of the spectrum of life. I mean, what the world believes in and what the church believes in are complete opposites. The teachings of the church, what, what we believe in, and the messages propagated by the world and by society conflict on various moral, ethical, and spiritual issues. With morality, the world promotes morality as situational. That there is not a black and white. That there is not a cut drive. That morality is whatever you need it to be to fit your situation. But the church, the Bible says that no, we've got a thing called the Ten Commandments that you need to follow. Because if they were good for the children of Israel, they're, they're good for us, right? People after God's own heart. If, if those rules are good for them, then they're, then they're good for me. The, the world pushes this idea of individualism that you just need to be by yourself that you need to do everything on your own that if you don't that don't help your brother or sister on the other side you you just make sure that you're good and and as much as covid did damage physically to the people who died i believe and and that was horrible don't get me wrong but i believe a second major thing it did was get people to be okay with being by themselves and we are not to be by ourselves we are meant to be a part of the body we are meant to be a part of one another we should not be alone we should be with each other it should not just be us and them it should be everybody the world promotes pursuit of pleasure, entertainment, and hedonism. The Bible, the church says that, no, you need to have self-control and moderation. The, the, the world says that, you know, you don't need to follow one path to God. If you, if you follow multiple ones, you'll find your way to the top of the mountain. But the church, the truth says, no, the only way to salvation is through the name of Jesus Christ. The only way to salvation is through repentance, water name, baptism, Jesus name, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's nothing else. It's not just showing up one day out the week, paying your dues and going home. Oh, no, ma'am. No, sir. It is being baptized. It is a salvation that is greater than any other answer to any of life's problems. The church pushes 
I'm almost done. I promise I'm almost done. There's this battle between world and church. But no matter what, we cannot give up. We cannot give up. This world, as crooked as it is, it's all just misplaced. It's all just lost. And the church is the only answer for people in this world. Nothing else. Nothing else will do except for Jesus. The angel of the Lord told the Marys that Jesus had risen. The angel told them to go and tell the disciples the good news. Share the good news with one another about Jesus. It's so important for us to continue to share the good news. The church is needed so much in this very hour. Hebrews 10, 25, we know it, it's a popular scripture. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as the day approaches. Let us not have less church, but let us have more church. If anything else, the church is more than just a building. Let us come together, wherever that may be. The doors may shut down, but the church will prevail. Don't ever think if the doors are locked that you still can't have church with your family. You still can't have church with your people on your pew. The church will prevail no matter what happens. You don't have to worry. You don't have to stress. The church is going to be here with everything it's got as the day approaches. From the very beginning of time that God dealt with his people, the Bible has always stressed this importance of community. In fact, biblical discussion of godly living is almost always set in the context of growing together. It is usually never set in an isolated incident. For you to change your ways and change how you are, we want you to be a part of the body of Christ. It's never, hey, you need to change your ways and you need to change what you do because you just need to do it and be good with it and just listen. No, it's always been about we want you to be a part of this church. We want you to be a part of the bride. But we know there's some things in your life that's not going good. We know there's some things in your life that's not going right. But we can help you get to where you need to be. We can help you get the answers that you so desperately seek. You don't have to be this by yourself. For whoever coined that phrase, and I may get in trouble here, but here we go. Whoever coined that phrase, I love Jesus, but I just don't care for the church. They need a reality check. To love Jesus, you must not know your whole Bible. You must not know the man that you're so desperately in love with. Because if I love him, I'm going to love everything he loves. And I'm going to enjoy everything he enjoys. And so if, if, if the Bible says that God's got a church that's going to come in the last days, that he has a bride that has to be spotless and blemishless to make it, there's something about the bride that God loves and he cherishes. So you can't say I love Jesus, but I don't care about church because if you truly love Jesus, then you would love the church. Come on, if you truly love everything, God's glory, His nature, His characteristics, you would love the church. I just, I got to stay on this for a second. We serve a perfect God, but we are imperfect beings. 
we got to understand something. If we're going to last, if CPC is going to last till the end time revival, we've got to love everyone. We've got to love everybody. You may not like what somebody does, but I promise you, ma'am, I promise you, sir, give it some time. They're going to be okay. We're going to get them plugged in. We're going to get them some help. We're going to get them fixed up because they deserve that same grace. They deserve that same mercy as you and I deserved you've got to love everybody in the church Woo! you've got to love everyone look I may I'm gonna get off on a little second y'all may find this funny I'm an Oklahoma fan I know obviously there are some people in this room who don't like the fact that I'm an Oklahoma fan and they're waiting for God to change my heart and come to the good side LSU Go Tigers, right? But that's probably never going to happen. Okay? Unless God comes, smacks me in the head like he did with Saul, and take them scales off my eyes, I guess. Yeah. Y'all keep praying for me. But y'all still love me. Come on. I wasn't raised in this. Some of you weren't raised in this. But we still love you. Hey. You miss a Sunday. Things happen. We still love you. Come on, you may not be able to give financially every week in the offering plate, but guess what? We still love you. Hey, this may be your first time. You may, <laughs> you may not look the part. You may not act the part. You may say some things that make us cringe and make us scared. Hey, we still love you. There's a place in here for you to sit on called a pew, and you're still a part of this church. Hey! The church of the end times is going to be multicultural, multi-ethnical, multi-whatever you want to say, financial. They're not going to be just from Centerpoint. They're not going to be just from DeVille. They're not going to be just from Avoyles, Rapids, Central Louisiana. It's going to be from everywhere in the world. And so, whoo, if I want to walk those streets of gold, if I want to walk next to somebody that don't look like me, that don't act like me, if I can't do it on earth, how can I do it in heaven? I can't. So I might as well get used to it now. I might as well learn to love them now because I'm going to have to love them when I get up there in the end. Everybody stand. I'm wrapping up. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.